know that sometimes we cry out silently, right? Sometimes you just don't have the words to say and you just cry out from your heart. But I just hope that he heard you from your heart. Amen. I said, I hope he heard you from your heart. Amen. There's times like this where, you know, sometimes when we when we come together, this is the first time that we've had during the day or even during the week that we've had a moment to breathe. Because I know you guys got responsibilities. I know that you guys got to go here, there and everywhere. You guys are involved in sports and in extracurricular activities, but it's awesome to just take a moment, you know, and really cry out to God and say, God, you know what? In the midst of everything, God, I need you. I need you. Without you, I wouldn't be able to get through. Amen. I guess I just got one, two amens. All right. Everybody else get through on their own, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you ain't getting through. Who knows? Come on and put your hands together for Jesus in this place. As you make your way back to your seats, please try to fill up the front two rows first, and then we'll go to the third row on the right-hand side here. My right, your left. Okay, so no, let's go back. Let's go back to elementary school. One proceed. What what is one one and then two follows one, right? And then three. That's how I was taught. So let's go ahead and fill up the first two rows first, and then we'll go to the third row. I'll wait. great okay if you would if you have your bibles please turn with me <laughs> to romans chapter 8 and verse 35 8:35 yeah, you did this to me. All this right here, you. Okay, so we all should have it at this point. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a question. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, nake, or peril, or sword. So what, what separates us from the love of Christ? Nothing should separate us from the love of Christ. Amen? Okay, I got a few amens, so 
I got I got a few witnesses. That's good. That's good. I guess. I don't know. Okay, so shout tribulation. Tribulation. Let's look let's look at the word tribulation for just a moment. Tribulation is grievous or oppressive trouble. Everybody say oppressive. oppressive. I know y'all been oppressed lately, right? Y'all got tests and things like that. Severe oppression. Severe trial or suffering or affliction. Severe affliction. Anybody ever been afflicted severely? Mm. It's not a good place to be, right? Let me tell you a little bit about severe affliction. Today, my daughter decided to play with her poop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I put her down to sleep, right? Everything was cool. Had the monitor on. Sounded like she was snoozing. It was all good. But. Everybody say but. But. Then I heard her, you know, crying a little bit and, you know, laughing and kind of doing some craziness, right? I was like, hmm, let me go up and see what's the matter. So I break in the room. And before I break in the room, I notice a smell. (laughs) No, and it was not chocolate. And so I walk in the room and I'm like, Jesus, Lord. And what she had taken, she had taken the poop out of her diaper and just finger painted a little bit. And... Something on the mattress and stuff. And and now let me tell you something about this little girl. This little girl, she's pretty smart. She knows what's up. So she kind of looks at me and kind of smiles or whatever. I'm like, mm-mm. Because this is not the first time that she does it. It's not the second time that she does it. This is time number three. And she does have finger paints and she does have crayons and things like that. So it isn't lack of supply. But I guess she figured to go ahead and she needed to do her own, I guess. I don't know. So then what happened? Some severe affliction came upon her life. And I had to whack her in the butt three times. Severe affliction for Alina. But severe affliction, this was because, you know what, she needed some correction. Amen. Amen. And then she got through it. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. It's just a feeling. She got over it. And then later on, she came and she hugged me and she gave me kisses and all that. So it was all good. But sometimes our our tribulation is so, our affliction is just so heavy, so oppressive that, you know what, instead of hanging on to Jesus, sometimes we just let go. Say, Lord, you know what? I've been walking with you, but you know what? At this point, it's too tough. I can't hang. Tribulation. Has tribulation separated you from the love of Christ? Next, distress. Distress is anguish. And what that literally means is a narrow, being, being in a narrow place or between a rock and a hard place. Let me tell you about a rock and a hard place real quick. Um, when, uh, when we first moved to, uh, to Florida, there's, you know, Universal Studios, right? Y'all been to Universal? Yeah? Some of y'all? Are we awake? What? Yeah, okay, trip. Universal, Universal Studios, the theme park. Okay, and then they built Islands of Adventure, right? Everybody been to Islands of Adventure? Yeah, okay, good, good, good. All right, and so y'all heard about a roller coaster named the Hulk, right? Okay, when that thing first opened, right? And I, you know, I've been to roller coasters before and it was all good, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, when I, I was younger, I'm still young. 
but I was younger back then. And so I, I went to this place, right? And, you know, they have you. And it was in the, during the summertime. So, you know, those the, the little ropes that, the, that they have, the areas that are roped off that, you know, when it gets real busy, they have all that stuff open. So you're going like this and like this and like that. And you're waiting forever to get inside. Yeah, so it was roped off like that. So I was waiting in line for like an hour and a half, right? And all this during this time, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's awesome, man. I'm going to get up in there. You know, it's going to be tight, right? Man, let me tell you. After waiting an hour and a half, you know, then you start hearing the noises and stuff, and you start seeing it like, you know, the 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 car just shoot out, and you're like, I think I might might not want to go, you know. But then you know how it is, peer pressure. People are like, man, don't be a punk, man. And so you know, you want to go ahead and show you a man at 14 years old. You know what I'm saying? I know what I'm doing. So I was between a rock and a hard place. There was no wiggle room. Either I had to do it or I had to do it. It was one of the two. And sometimes we get stuck in this place of anguish, this place of, of just, you know, no wiggle room. There just can't be a way out. You know, and sometimes God puts us in those situations to mold our character, right, so that we would stand still and know that he is God. So we can't get out. We can't move to the left. We can't move to the right. We just got to stand still. But sometimes we like to help God. Oh, yeah, we're helpers, right? Sometimes, no, no, God, look, I can help you. Hook it up. No problem. Rocking a hard place. Persecution. Persecution is, is a driving way by harassing with ill treatment because of one's religion, race, ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera. And when I think about persecution, I think about Saul, who was later called Paul when he met Jesus. And I think about the severe persecution that he had toward the Christians. I mean, he would go and he would, you know, find out these, these people, you know, men, women, children. It didn't matter. And he would stone these people, you know, because that's what he did. He hated, hated, hated Christians. And sometimes we get, we feel a little bit of, persecution. We might not be stoned, you know, but people might talk about us, right? People might call us, you know, Jesus freaks. I told you all the story a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the girl put gum in my hair. I've forgiven her. I've forgiven her. But we're persecuted sometimes for what we believe. And I, it might and it might not be, like I said, it might not be stoning. It might not be somebody, you know, going out and physically beating you down. But you guys know as much as I do, you know, physical wounds, they'll heal. But emotional wounds, when people cut you deep, sometimes that takes a lifetime to heal. And sometimes it don't heal, right? People that you love, when they talk junk about you, that hurts. I remember when my brothers, when they were acting crazy... And let me tell you something. I love my brothers. I do. I love them all my heart, man. And when they would say things to me, when they would, they, when, when they would be like, man, I don't know what you're doing. You're a freak, man. You know, you're, you're a fanatic. You know, that junk used to hurt me, man. It's cut me. Persecution. But you got to be willing in the midst of persecution to say, you know what? I'd rather be persecuted for the Lord's sake than give in. And fit in. Amen? Amen. I got one amen. Good. Y'all with me or what? Am I out here by myself? 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Famine or scarcity of harvest. Now, when you think about harvest, I think about fields of wheat, right? Y'all ever seen that movie Gladiator? Y'all ever seen that? No? If you, don't, if you haven't seen it, it's a little gory. It's a little bloody, but, you know, if you ain't, if you ain't afraid of that, it's all right. So at the end, right, he's coming home, you know, well, he's dying. So in his eyes, he sees, you know, he's coming home, and he's, you see the fields of wheat, and he's walking, and, he, you know, he's stroking the, the wheat with his hands and stuff. But you could, as far as the eye could see, it's just a whole bunch of wheat. And then you see his family down there waiting for him and stuff. So when I think about that, when I think about harvest, I think about, I think about wheat. And the thing about that is that, you know, if the harvest is good, then when the farmers collect the harvest, they're able to sell a whole bunch of the stuff and what? Make a lot of money, right? So it's all good. But you know what? Sometimes there's damage to the crops. And what you harvest, you know, barely covers the bills. And it's not plentiful. There's no abundance. Right now, as you guys know, I'm going to school, right? And so, you know, my wife is the only one working. She's a teacher. And you know teachers don't get paid nothing, man. Come on. So, you know, at this point where before we were like, you know, whatever. You know, we're taking vacation. It seemed like every other month we were going somewhere. And now it's like, man, once a year if I get lucky. You know what I'm saying? And we're going on vacation. So there's scarcity. You know what I'm saying? But is scarcity, is famine enough? Enough of a motivation Enough of a motivation to go ahead and cut that, that, that connection that you have with the Lord. Is that enough? Is that going to separate you from the Lord? Are you going to let it? Nakedness. Nakedness or not having sufficient clothing. This is a byproduct, too, of the, uh, the harvest. I feel like, you know, sometimes I look, at my, I look at my closet and I look at my wife's closet and sometimes we feel like, man, you know, these clothes know, not for me, they know their way to school because I wear them so much. You know, my wife is like, man, they, yo, those clothes could walk by themselves to, to my job. I wear them so much. And you know what? Praise God that we got at least, you know, five outfits for the week. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, two good suits for, for Sunday. But scarcity, you know what I'm saying? Where as before... You know, when things were, were, were all good, you know what I'm saying, you'd be able to go ahead and, you know, buy a whole bunch. But nakedness, you know, is, because, is it because, you know, because of your scarcity, because there's no harvest or there's lack of a harvest, is that motivation enough to say, you know what, Lord, man, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I was, I was better off without you. Peril or to run a risk or to face danger. Sometimes we, we don't want to run the risk of losing friends. What do you mean? Well, sometimes you know how you befriend somebody. Everything cool, you know, you're clicking. You play ball, I play ball, you know. You like this kind of, I like that kind of music. You know, you like this kind of, you know, brand name. I like those brand names. You like barbecue, I like barbecue. You like, I like ribs. So you clicking, right? Everything cool. But one thing ain't clicking. And that one thing is Jesus between the both of you. You know, I'm saved. I hope we all saved up in here. I think we are, right? But the other person, your friend, is not. And sometimes, you know what I'm saying? The opportunity arises. You know, spiritual conversation comes up. What you going to do? What you going to do? 
you know, keep your mouth shut? Nah, man. Dude, we're cool, man. And, you know, if I say something, then that's going to offend them. And then we, he didn't want to be friends with me no more, man. Is it going to separate us? Are we going to let it separate us from the love of Christ? Peril, running a risk. Now, it could be as simple as that, or it could be, you know, as complicated or as, as, uh, as life-altering as, you know, do you believe in Christ? If you do, I'm going to kill you. And if you don't, then, you know, if you deny Christ, then, you know, I'm going to let you live for another day. It's all good. What would you do? I mean, it's easy to say, you know what? Nah, man. Yo, kill me. Take my life. It's easy to say that here. This is a safe environment. Nobody's got a gun to your head. But would you do it for real? That's the question. Would you do it for real? Would you run the risk? The sword. Sword is a weapon that can cause harm. Sometimes words can be weapons. Right? Sometimes people can cut you down left and right and leave you feeling like, man, it stinks. Sometimes we're firm in what we believe. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe that he is a son of God, that he came down, died on the cross, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, it was made propitiation for my sins, and, you know, he's my savior, and he's resurrected, and he rules forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then somebody come up to you with some craziness and plants those seeds of doubt. Weapons. Weapons. Are you going to let weapons separate you from the love of God? In Psalms 44 and verse 22. I'll wait for you. I know you all are just turning to it right now, right? <laughs> Collectively. No, 44-22. Hey, you're good. It's all right. I forgive you. 44-22. And the word of the Lord says, Yet for your sake, for God's sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So, when we get saved, when we give our life to Christ, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, everything's going to be great. And that's a lie. Because let me tell you, that is not a promise from God. God never said that you will not suffer. On the contrary, you will suffer for his sake. But, and I love what my brother Paul says. He says that my present suffering pales in comparison to the coming glory, meaning that the glory that is going to come when the Son of God returns doesn't matter. All that suffering, it is but light affliction. And let me tell you something. Brother Paul, he went through a lot more affliction than I'll ever go through, I think. I've never been stoned to death. Well, not stoned to death, stoned half to death. I've never been whipped, never been beaten, never been imprisoned for the sake of Christ. Never. Any of you? Anybody? Anybody been punched in the face for Jesus? No? 
but he calls it light affliction. This guy calls it light affliction. The one thing about suffering is you'll see that suffering brings people together. And the thing is, is that if we have a relationship with Christ, right, we sing that song, you know, I, I am a friend of God, right? Okay. And what happens usually when you're going through some stuff? You go through some stuff, who do you call? You call your friend and be like, hey, man, look, this is what's going on. I'm going through this. You know, Hold on, I got another call. And then you click over, you're like, hey, yeah, I was telling so-and-so, and I was telling them, you know, I'm going through this, I'm going, you know, and then, you know, you three-way. You know what I'm saying? And then you go ahead and let them know what's up, you know? But this is what we do because in suffering, suffering brings us closer together. Now, is your suffering bringing you closer to God? That's the question. Is it? Are you clinging to God through your suffering? Do we depend on Christ through our suffering? Or do we depend on our own strength? Do we say, you know what, God? I got this, man. It's all good. I'll resolve it my own way. And usually when we try to do things our own way, it seldom works out. Suffering. And the thing is, is that, you know what? We need to depend on Christ. And sometimes the sufferings will increase to the point where we can only depend on God. We put ourselves in a situation or a situation arises where it's like, Lord, there's no other way. You're going to have to bless you. You're going to have to do something about it because you know what? I can't. I can't do nothing about it. Why? Because God wants the glory in our suffering. Let me give you an example. Y'all heard of Gideon, right? Yeah? Y'all know where the story of Gideon is found? What book of the Bible? Smarty pants. Exactly. Judges. No, there's no book of Gideon, but we could pretend. Okay, so it's in the book of Judges. So, Gideon, the least, was from the least of the tribes and was the least of the members of his tribe, right? And God picked him. Okay. So what he was going to do, he was going to go ahead and fight against the Midianites. Now, you got to understand, the Midianite army was huge, big. Real big. And so what happened? So he said, okay. He rounded all everybody up. He said, look, you know what? We're about to fight. So everybody who is of fighting age, y'all come on out. So they came out, 32,000 people, men, or men, or, you know, whatever. Anyway, so 32,000, that's a lot of people, right? That's a lot of men, a lot of soldiers, Right? What do you think? 32,000? A lot of people? You ever seen 32,000 people? Me either. But 32,000, that's a lot of people. To me, that's a lot of people. I mean, I've been to, to the arena, and that's, you know, it's a lot of people, right? The concert, all right. So you've been to a concert, 32,000 people? 10,000. 10,000 people. Uh, okay, so we know 32,000 people, that's a lot of people. Okay, and the Lord said, you know what? I don't want there to be any doubt that I'm the one that did this right here. I'm the one that gave you the victory. So he told Gideon, because Gideon, Gideon was all, you know, getting giddy. You know, he's like, okay, I got 32,000. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? We could do something. We could do some damage with some 32,000. The guy was like, no. So he said, all right. What I want you to do, Gideon, I want you to get up before the people. I want you to say, okay, everybody who's scared, y'all go home. 22,000 left. 
So he's still left with 10,000. Okay. So he got 10,000 people, right? He's like, okay. Maybe we could do like a stealth attack or something. You know what I'm saying? We could still, hey, we could still do something, right? We could work something out. And God said, you know what? Too many people. So what happened? He's like, all right. I'm going to do, so I'm going to send them all out to drink water, okay? He's like, all right, Lord. So he's like thinking, okay, you know what I'm saying? So he divided up into two people. Those who knelt down and lapped like a dog, right? Mouth to the stream. I'm not going to do it because it's going to look crazy. I might lose my gum. I don't know. And then other ones that will go ahead and scoop it up with their hands and drink it like that, right? Neither of which my daughter does. Uh, she's crazy. She just pours it all on herself. Anyway, so he said, okay, so 9,700 knelt down, lapped like a dog. 300 cupped. And I know Gideon. Boy, Gideon was like, yo, I'm hoping, okay, all right, 97. That's only like 300, Lord. All right, you still going to get the glory, Lord? It's all good. But God said, no. Those 300, those are the ones that I want. So Gideon, against the whole Midianite army, with 300 people. And I know, let me tell you, I know Gideon was suffering, boy. But he had some faith that even though he was suffering, God would see him through. Did he see him through? Yes, he did. Were they victorious? Yes, they were. Can I get an amen? All right. Mm. We're not supposed to let these things separate us from the love of God. But sometimes we let these things separate us from the love of God, whether it's tribulation, whether it's peril, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. God should be the first priority in our life. If we hang on to God, he will see us through. But if we let these things, we take our focus off of him and we let these things separate us from God. It's not God separating himself from us, but it's us separating ourselves from him. God is always willing. He's always waiting to see you through. It's us. It's us that we say, you know what, Lord, I got this. Or you, wanna, you know what, Lord, this is too much for me. I can endure. You know what? God is going to give you more than you can handle. Why? Because he wants you to depend on him, not on yourself. Amen? He wants you to go ahead and depend on him and not on yourself. Why? For him to get the glory. Because you know what? This is what happens. We get ourselves into a situation where there's no explanation. There's no way out except for God. So what do we do? We get on our knees and we pray and we ask God in faith. We say, you know what, Lord? I know that you're going to do something in my life. I know that you're going to see me through. Why? Because you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, my provider. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord, my healer. You are the one that I run to in my time of need, my strong tower. You hide me in the cleft of your hand so my enemies can't get at me. But if we let go and we say, you know what, God, it's too much for me. I'm going to go my own way. Separation. 
So my question for you tonight is where are you at? Are you connected or are you separated? Have, they, have you let the influences of your friends separate you? Have you let your own desires separate you? Say, you know what, Lord? Nah, this is too, too tough for me, man. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to figure it out all on my own. <laughs> the creator of the universe went ahead and detailed it out in his word, but you're going to figure it out, right? In one lifetime? Come on. Let's not kid ourselves. Y'all are smart. Not that smart. I'm not either. Well, yeah. So it's okay now, right? So what are we doing, young people? What are we doing? We're trying to figure it out? Or are we trusting God and his leading? The Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Not a headlight, okay? Not high beams. Sometimes God will just let you see the step in front of you. Because if you see the end result, you might get scared. You might get scared. But we got to trust God, man. We got to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what it looks like. I can't let the present situation, the turmoil that's going on around me, I can't let that dictate my decisions. I got to say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust in you that you're going to lead me in the right path. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on and stand to your feet. And I'm just going to go ahead and pray a general prayer. What I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. And I believe, really, okay, shh. Can we grab our neighbor's hand without getting crazy? Jeez. I believe that the same power that is working in me is working in you. Because if you're saved, then you are Holy Ghost filled. And the same power that is working in me is working in you. And you could pray for your brother just as much as I could pray for you or your sister, whatever, just, just as good as I could pray for, for them. So we're going to go ahead and pray for each other. As I pray, you guys go ahead and agree and pray over your brother. Father God, we come before you right now, dear God, just giving you thanks, dear God, for this time that we've had in your word, dear Lord. Father God, I pray, my Lord Jesus, that as we go through our life, dear God, the tribulation, my Lord God, will not separate us from your love, dear God. The distress, my Lord God, anguish, my Lord Jesus, will not separate us. The persecution, dear God, no matter what might come our way, my Lord God, neither famine nor nakedness nor peril, dear God. Father God, neither the sword, dear God, that when we go through our suffering, dear God, that our eyes would be focused, dear God, on you, dear Lord, knowing that in the end, my Lord God, it is you that gets the glory, dear God, that we, my Lord God, would be able to partake, dear God, not just in your suffering, dear God, but in your coming glory, dear Jesus. Father God, that we would endure, my Lord God, that we would run this race, dear God, with endurance until the end, my Lord God. My Lord God, even if we've swayed, my Lord God, even if we've gone to the left or to to the right, dear God, that we, my Lord God, would be committed, my Lord God, to this race, dear God, that we, my Lord God, would be able to see it, my Lord God, to the end, dear God. We
we know that you are the God that knows the end from the beginning, dear God. And you have not planned, my Lord God, us to fail, dear Jesus. And so we trust in you right now, dear God, in Jesus' name, dear Lord. Father God, I give you glory. I give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus one more time. Thank you, Pastor Aldo.